Welcome to the Podcrastinators pilot episode, bringing you a mixture of comedy, social and political commentary from New Zealand and around the globe. In other words, the show that's meant to make sense of everything, but quite often doesn't. Hello, I'm Darren Lees, a globally experienced businessman, politically to the right, stand-up comedian, comedy writer, and of course, podcast presenter. And I'm Matt Danaher. I'm an amateur writer, traveller, podcaster, and Instagram influencer, and professional union organiser and socialist who likes to be optimistic about the future. Joining us on the show this week, we're joined by Matt Coombe, a professional actor, comedian, athlete, and male model, and his stand-up comedian grandma, Cheryl Coyle. Welcome to the show, guys. The comb. <laughs> Not all jokes here tonight, don't worry. <laughs> I realise that's too nice, like people actually like ice cream cones. I'm more like just the serviette. He said he's a serviette, he must have really low self-esteem. <laughs> Damn right I do. Um, I must admit, Cheryl, glad to have you here. Um, you were the second funniest act on the same night as me. Oh, who um, was the first? Me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what place did I come again? <laughs> you, were th- you were third, Matt. Uh, I'll take this. Um, and you were on that night three. Three, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything that you've noticed or anything that's kind of um, really took you by surprise? For me, the one, the outstanding one was, of course, Trump encouraging um, everybody in America that they could cure themselves by injecting themselves with disinfectant. I'm personally all supportive of Trump supporters injecting themselves with disinfectant. Yeah, I would do it for them. (laughs) I'd do it for Trump. Did you see the joke of Trump wandering along with an IV stand that had Lysol directly into his veins? <laughs> I reckon Trump just needs to like go up and ring Kim Jong-un and just give yes. him this advice. Yeah, I would actively promote Trump not socially distancing with a coronavirus patient. <laughs> what is uh, it that the Queen said? Go and, he has a conversation with the Queen. And uh, Boris Johnson does, and, he, and, and Boris Johnson says to the Queen, what shall I do? And she said, go and hug Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that Trump is trying to co- create some subliminal suicide pact by doing this. He's almost like David Koresh or someone like that by telling your supporters to go out and openly inject yourself with disinfectant. Well, did you see as well that 99 people in the state of Maryland, which is like smaller than New Zealand, 99 people got taken to hospital because of um, poisoning themselves with disinfectant. And then he tried to come out and go, oh, it was a bit of a joke. I didn't No, be- no, he was being sarcastic to the reporter. <laughs> That's right. Um, as anyone who'd watched the clip can tell, that was real sarcasm there. He didn't <laughs> oh, at all. Has anybody else uh, seen anything in the news this week that they've... uh, Well, it's interesting that Matt mentioned Kim Jong-un because um, I don't know if people heard, obviously there's been rumours flying around that he's unwell um, or indeed maybe dead. And in fact, um, the North Korean High Command have come up with a poorly photoshopped picture from weekend, um, from what is it, weekend at Bernie's, 
which where, which makes him look even more dead. But the speculation has been rife about his sister taking over. Yeah. Um, who is if she does will be the will be number one uh, probably become number one in the attractive dictator stakes that got me thinking about my top three hottest dictators so i've narrowed it to a short list i can't put her on it um yet obviously because uh, we we don't know for sure whether she's there i put number three i put Avita peron why third hottest yeah. dictator um i would ask listeners not to go away and google um her status because actually she wasn't she was the wife of the president but she did become a political leader in her own right. Uh, and in my memory, she was president of Argentina for like 20 years, but I imagined it all, um, apparently, um, when I actually bothered to do some research. But she's, she's my number three. My number two in the hottest dictator stakes, Stalin, when he was younger. So if you go and Google young Stalin, you will see uh, photos of a very attractive young ne'er-do-well, um, who was a bit of a Jack the Lad, a bank robber, um, womanizer, failed um, trainee priest, apparently. All sorts of interesting roles. Um, but yeah, good looking lad. Looked really good in a scarf. He had kind of a hipster scarf going on as well. Um, so big fan of his. Um, and then number one, though, obviously has to go to um, the star of Super Fairy Animals song, Herman and Pauline, um, the Valentine Strasser, who uh, rocked his way to the throne in Sierra Leone, as the rhyme, I think may not go um but yeah he'll definitely be knocked off the top spot if um kim jong-un's sister takes over i just want to point out as well if um, grandma wants to go out googling number two was young stalin not young stallion just oh right thank you <laughs> <laughs> young stallone sorry young stallone young stallone that's right so look Mr. stallone when he was younger i'd noticed that you'd done a list of um hot dictators so i tried to keep mine to purely female dictators and and number three i had imelda marcos the reason i had imelda marcos is i do like a woman who loves fashion so um you know she's got more shoes than a caterpillar she's got feet so um i had her i also had eva peron at number when you two. say had hang on when you say had oh <laughs> uh, you know that was my younger days not oh, shit man <laughs> that's impressive so, uh, I had Ava Peron for a couple of reasons. I saw a film about her and I thought she was a really good singer. I thought that was really good. And I never realised how much she looked like Madonna. So yeah, uh, You really did, actually. And then number one, because if I was uh, picking, you know, the hottest dictator, I would pick someone of the fairer sex and that would be Cleopatra. She was dark. Was she? She wasn't a blonde. She was no, always I, dark. I had fairer spelt P-H. Oh. <laughs> oh, very good. Come oh, oh, on, man. Man. <laughs> You know what? I've spent four days writing that joke. <laughs> you are bringing your A material to the game today. Oh, I told you I was on. I was coming with the first episode. I was coming big. I didn't come up to play around tonight. <laughs> I just reckon you missed out truly the best, uh, the hottest authoritarian leader or whatever that word means uh you're forgetting about mao mao zedong oh like, he's got zedong in his pants you know he's got bloody like a massive zedong on him you know what i'm saying <laughs> like how many yes. people he killed a shit ton of people i heard like every person he killed was just like a centimeter added on to his uh, zedong <laughs> um, <laughs> stop talking about asian man's penis before grandma gets excited <laughs> He was the Ron Jeremy of dictators. <laughs> he put a dick in dictator. <laughs> yes. 
Is he pick any others, or was it just Mousy Dong? No, it was just Mel. I would also put Mussolini though. Um, probably number three was Robert Muldoon. Used to be president. I used to be a leader of New Zealand. Mm. Uh, he was he while he was still leader, he stood up as the narrator of the Rocky Horror Show, and any um, president or prime minister who can get up there with a pair of high heel shoes and a stockings, I think he gets my vote. Wait, now I have to Google the image. Google <laughs> <laughs> Muldoon Rocky Horror Picture. We'll put the photo in the show notes. Um, oh my man, I, I only hope that the police don't ever have to come and check your Google search. <laughs> I'm using my work phone as well. Oh. <laughs> Number two was for me was Hannibal because oh. he's, he um, rode over the, the Alps on elephants. And I'm very fond of elephants. I've ridden a few elephants. I've actually washed a few elephants uh, as well. <clears throat> I haven't always lived a sort of sedentary life. Where did you watch elephants out of interest? Uh, in India, in, a, in, a, in the middle of the jungle. Cool. I also I also bathed with the elephants. I could show you a picture of that as well. Grandma, I hope you oh. bathed with the swimsuit on, eh? <laughs> Was that in and milk? I, Was that in milk like Cleopatra? Uh, no, we did it in water. <laughs> and they put these, it was really funny because they put these sponge-like mattresses down, foam rubber mattresses, for the elephants to kneel on so that they didn't get sore knees while we, while we washed them. And then we were allowed to sit on top of them, and they and well, they didn't tell us this was going to happen, but the elephant filled its trunk with water, threw it back, and I've got a photo of me absolutely drenched. <laughs> so if Hannibal was able to keep his elephants under control, he stands there good for me. But my top one, of course, has to be Julius Caesar, who, who spent his life in togas, and I must say, I really do like a man in sheets. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. She likes a man between the sheets. <laughs> I said in sheets, you said between. Hang on, is this? I hope this isn't a Ku Klux Klan reference, is it? <laughs> Not at the moment. And I have to remember that it's my grandchild who's also listening in. <laughs> I, uh, no Mussolini, no Hitler, no nothing. No, no... Um, I thought Vladimir Putin might be in there. He likes to ride a horse and go swimming in the ice ponds and stuff like that. He's just a specimen. (laughs) He does look like a house elf out of Harry Potter. That's the problem. I mean, he's ripped, but... He's not doing that for his age. He's uh, he's, he's still pretty handy, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't tell him to his face. (laughs) I didn't fancy him. When that... um, when that tragic shooting down of the uh, Malaysian airline plane happened, I was living in Australia at the time. And of course, there was quite Getting a Getting your alibi in quick there, I see. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I'm placing myself in the world, nowhere near the scene of a crime. Anyway, at the time, um, Tony Abbott was the Prime Minister of Australia. And um, he said, you know what? Russia are behind this and I'm going to go and shirt front Putin. And I'm like, I'll oh, carry on champion. <laughs> There's only going to be one winner in that race. <laughs> I would put my money on Putin there, definitely. Putin would snap him like a little twig. And can you imagine Tony Abbott would have turned up in his budgie smugglers? Yeah, there's a kind of, there's a, I'm sure there's a film about that you can download. Budgie smuggler Putin. Uh, Tony Abbott wrestling oh. Putin in matching budgie smugglers. Oh, oh right. Yes. That, to yeah. be honest. that might be a kind of film that only you've ever watched on the dark web. No, I've, <laughs> I honestly have never watched it. Is it honest. Is that- 
over, over 18 and under 50s watch. <laughs> I mean, technically, it's not watching it if you're there filming it. So, yeah, I guess you're correct, Matt. That's true. You can that film true. it with your eyes shut, Matthew. Exactly. That's what I do, Grandma, when I watch porn. I don't know if you're allowed to say porn. Jeez. <laughs> I just said it twice now. Is that, Is that why you've got your camera switched off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you guys can't <laughs> see that I'm high and jacking off. Yeah. Has anybody else seen anything from the news this week? The joke, the mask that's going to save the world. Did you see that one? No. What? No. Tell us more. Uh, that, that's a picture of um, of Trump with um, duct tape right <laughs> across his face. <laughs> And I think that is a mask that will save the world. Something I saw this week, looking back towards my homeland, is that the McDonald's car park in Wales was actually full of sheep. <laughs> I mean, talk about taunting a business when it's down. <laughs> sheep stood on the car park. I don't know whether it was just a game of dare or whether they were just taking the piss. Sacrificial lambs walking around the car parks of McDonald's. In Probably the, uh, more brain cells than the people queuing outside of Burger Fuel last oh, night. Oh, well, that was heartbreaking. Oh, you see the what? Kiwi ingenuity is just ruining our country. Mm. What about the guys who are outside McDonald's at 3am uh, to get the first McDonald's when it opened? Hey, Grandma, don't roast me like this, all right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I must admit, I drove past um, Royal Oak McDonald's at 6.30 this morning, I was, and I did think to myself, Oh, you know, I wouldn't mind a McDonald's breakfast now, actually. But the queue was just unbelievable at 6.30 in the morning. It was just right around the block for McDonald's breakfast. Well, I have, um, I have uh, been the statistician that I am. Um, I've actually looked up what McDonald's did in their first 24 hours of trade. And they sold 30,000 coffees and 300,000 burgers. Mm. Oh my God. Imagine that. That's just happened, right? 300,000 burgers. That coffee shit as well. Four weeks for this. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if, like, you were on a desert island and you were rescued, which is effectively where we've been, right? On a desert island, rescued, and the first thing you did was went to McDonald's for a hash brown. <laughs> you guys are saying that like in the bed. I would so do that. <laughs> oh, to be honest, I used to work on music festivals, and we would be camped out in the countryside for three weeks at a time um, building the festivals taking them down afterwards and um, we would you couldn't really leave site or anything you were on site all day every day the last day we would be driving back to London and we would stop at a certain Burger King proper Burger King burger and chips and everything fries sorry um, and it was amazing well it's gonna be heartbreaking when a Burger King closes yeah, that is sad news. I think that's probably the saddest news of the whole crisis. They don't know Kentucky Fried Chicken as well, do they? It's not the same group, is it? No, I don't think so. I think they're separate. Oh, no, Burger King is the, the other one. Yeah. Have you seen that, scene that people have, have worked out the recipe for Kentucky Fried Chicken? took a guy 18 months to, work, to, find the, to develop the recipe himself. And he posted it on Facebook. Yeah, a legend. That is forward thinking that you knew there was going to be a pandemic in 18 months and you decided to crack <laughs> of, um, of chicken that everyone else has taken about 200 years to crack. Yeah. Mm. I know, that guy's a true philanthropist though, right? Well, he's a true Kiwi hero, whoever he is. <laughs> whatever your main name, whoever did that 18 months to make KFC chicken, I'm proud of you. But now that KFC's open, I'm definitely, even if I knew how to make it and it was cheaper, I'd still go to KFC just to get it, to be honest. Yeah. Wasn't it 19 different herbs and spices? 
His recipe well, didn't have 19 of them. No, there was only 12. Is it 12? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's I thought it was more than 12, yeah, but um, if old mate can make it happen in eight, he's obviously got something going down, right? Mm. Well, he just sprinkles in like a little bit of cocaine just for a little kick. <laughs> I, I think it was MSG that he probably plunked onto it. <laughs> Matt, you know your pride of him. Do you think that you would give him a, a free seat at your next gig? Wait, which metaphor got confusing? You do oh, more gigs no, than yes, me. we should Sorry. say uh, Matt, Matty C and Matty D. Yeah, Matt. Oh. I suppose I'm just going by Coom if that makes it easier. <laughs> would you give him a, would you give him uh Matt Coombe, would you give him a free seat at your next gig? Well, I would give him a free seat, like on my face. No. <laughs> 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 but Matt, you want to have more than two people at your gig. <laughs> <laughs> he would uh, make the third. I would love that dude. Any gig that I ever do, even if it's a sold out show, I'm going to put a separate seat. On right next to me on stage, and he gets to sit there and just enjoy it, eating some homemade KFC. I have got to get that guy. I've got to find him, and we need to get him to a Macoom gig. We do. I think that's, that sounds like a challenge. I reckon so, right? Absolutely. We could record ourselves um, making the phone calls. We could make some little funny jokes after we've made the phone calls. We could make it look harder than it is because it's New Zealand, right? If it's New Zealand, it might only take 10 minutes to find him. Well, that's probably right. related to one of us. He's probably chat. five yeah, doors. Exactly. <laughs> I'll probably find out he lives five doors down the road from me or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Might be I don't know. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All those lights that they used that would be on at midnight that you thought he was making pot, he was probably making KFC. <laughs> I can't see anyone around your neighborhood making KFC, Darren. No. Uh, what what do you think they would make in my neighborhood, Matt? I'll come back and insert some funny posh food I've thought of later. In this oh, like duck a la range or something. Yeah, duck a la range. I think they'd make range. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in like a Ponsonby or something? I live in uh, Kaui Marama over by. Oh my God. Is that, is that rich here? Gra Grandma, I don't own a house here. I could never <laughs> afford to own a house here. So. I reckon you're Probably still getting your KFC here, Uber right? eats. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure in your area they still do KFC, right? It's just like Kentucky Fried Cocaine. That's right. <laughs> mm. um, I don't know if our listeners have seen. Um, I know many of you are active on the comedy scene as, as fans or as performers, but um, many, many of you 20s of listeners. But the classic has put an appeal out for people to buy for people to buy tickets in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And um, obviously, we will definitely put links to that in the show notes. And we would definitely encourage people to um, have a look on Facebook. You can find it on our Facebook page or on our website. We'll put it on afterwards a link to go and do that to support the classic i mean the classic is an essential part of auckland's comedy scene if not new zealand's mm. and um without it what would we do could be 500 people trying to get on at um to back and gary, gary dooley would be the most powerful man in new zealand comedy well he'd become the new bloody dictator of nz yeah, which wouldn't be a bad thing because obviously he's a fantastic person, but he wouldn't be in my top three of hottest dictators. I don't know. I know he takes off those glasses. Whew, Gary Dooley can do some things. <laughs> Does he get the other seat next to you? If you're God and you've got the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy on one hand, have you got Gary Dooley with no glasses on on the other? Yeah, he's on my lap and the other dude's on my face. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, so, yeah, the classic, uh, the classic's been going since 1997. You know, it's comedy sort of like five, six nights a week. Um, you know, it's an institution, right? The whole comedy festival revolves around that and its predecessor probably spawned some of the greatest New Zealand talent that we've got that's gone global. People like Reese Darby, Brendan Lovegrove, you know, um, all of those guys that have performed there, you know, I think everybody needs to do everything they can to support the classic over the next two months and get it and get it back to where it was because you're right, Matt, without that, the comedy scene would look very differently in New Zealand. With the classic, you know, it's obviously given, I don't know about um, you, Cheryl and, and, and Matt C, but um, certainly myself and probably you, Matt, was probably the place that we got our first gigs and probably gave us that opportunity to actually get into stand-up comedy, comedy writing, and probably the reason why we're all here today, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I love that place. It's like a second yeah. home to me. I remember being a... I thought my home. house was your second home, Matthew. Third home. Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I remember um, having to take my butt, like, the bus and, and have to take, or, like, with my dad, because I was underage at the time, <laughs> just to perform every gig. I had to bring my family... <laughs> it's all right the first couple of times but then he had heard all your jokes before and he's like cool it's time to go now <laughs> <laughs> and show you performed at the classic many times you know that i performed five stand-ups total oh that's okay are they all at the classic <laughs> <laughs> three three at the classic and two fronting for matthew <laughs> oh yeah i forgot you did that <laughs> oh, were you his warm-up person Oh, yes. I should have a way around, surely. I'm never pretty sure that go on before the warm up. <laughs> well, he did oh. ask me half an hour before I was to go on and said, Oh, by the way, he asked me if I'd go on. Yeah, that's fine, Matthew, because I always say yes to my grandchildren. <laughs> and then he, then I'm walking to the venue where he was at the was it sweatshop or something, Matthew. Yeah, switch up. And says, oh, and by the way, would you be, would you warm up the audience for me, please, Grandma? That was half an hour's notice. <laughs> One of the things that you will find about women and about old women in particular is that we don't panic. We've lived too long to panic. It gives you wrinkles. <laughs> and we have wrinkles already. Well, Grandma, they can't see you. We'll just pretend you don't have wrinkles. And we sort of... <laughs> My grandma's a lovely 34-year-old woman. Yeah. <laughs> Darling, I have a 50-year-old child. I have, met, I have met a 34-year-old grandmother. Oh, shit. Did you make <laughs> a 34-year-old grandmother? My man. <laughs> was gorgeous. There used to be lots of 34-year-old grandmothers in the UK. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot fewer now, actually. That has reduced. Yes. <laughs> probably, a, probably a good thing. Yeah, just, um, do we want to move on to um, a Q&A with um, Matt and Cheryl? Well, I feel like we've organically come towards it because actually that was going to be my um, my kind of questions, really. We're going to be around who got into comedy first and how did how did the other one follow into it? Um, was there a link between the two um, or was it just coincidence? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I just got one little gag I want to squeeze in. Uh, it was probably yeah. terrible. It's back on the Kim Jong-un thing and I've just been thinking about it. I was like, oh, well, you know how, like, Kim Jong-un's got corona or something? Who knows? He's gone very unwell. Does that mean he's, like, turned into his father because now he's Kim Jong-il? <laughs> oh, you are bringing your A-game. Oh, A-game tonight, Coos. Top five shit. Hopefully I'll better edit that into the other bit. Otherwise, I'll just leave it where it is. It'll be fine. It'll still be funny. <laughs> 
Who wants to tackle Matt's question first? Who got in first? Comedy. Matt. Matt. Yeah, no, I, I started off doing it. Uh, I did a very cool thing called Class Comedians, which is basically a glorified popularity contest where they uh, took us out. We got to meet all our comedy heroes. Uh, and then they're like, yeah, now you get to perform. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, I hate comedy. It was such a big, stressful thing. <laughs> Three years later, I was like, well, nothing else is working out for me. Might as well give it another crack. And what age were you in Class Comedian, Matt? Uh, so I think my first ever gig, I was 14 at the time. Wow. And Cheryl, we, how, when did you get into um, stand-up comedy? When I was 73. Ah, getting in young then. <laughs> and what and is, it, was, uh, it was Matthew's fault as to, why, as to how I got into comedy. Because last year I was supposed to be doing a, a Camino, a short Camino. It was only 300 kilometres, this one. And I was in Queen Street uh, and I saw a sail on. And you know how women are with sails? And it was a sale for shoes. So I thought, oh, I do need a pair of new walking boots to uh, do the Camino in. So I'll go into Bivouac. So I went into Bivouac and was trying on some shoes. And when you get hiking boots, you stand on the steep, um, sort of like a ramp to see where your feet come in, into the shoes to see if they've got enough room in the front for going down big hills. So I'm standing on the ramp quite happily, and I, but I only had one shoe on. And the other shoe took a, a delightful dive down the ramp. And I went with it. But the shoe that I was trying on was such a good um, fit that it stayed on the ramp. So the rest of, of me and my other leg were at the bottom. And so I ended up breaking my ankle very, very badly. Ooh. And wow. I had to be taken out of the shop in an ambulance. And so while I was had time in hospital, because I was in, in hospital for quite a long time before they put plates and screws and knives and forks and God alone knows what else they put in, into my leg, I said to Matthew, you know, you could get some good mileage out of this grandma's broken leg. He said, yeah, 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 grandma, but I'm practicing some other things. So I thought, well, bugger the little kid. If he won't do it, <laughs> Ungrateful bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving you A material here, kid, and you, you just blow me out now. <laughs> so that was how I got into comedy. Because my grandson wouldn't wouldn't play ball. And do you enjoy it? I enjoyed the second time more than the first time. Mm. <laughs> the first time was terrifying. Everybody was so young to start off with. Everybody was so confident sitting up in the green room. And um, I thought, what the heck am I doing here? I'm the wrong sex to start off with. I'm a, probably about 50 years older than most of the other people that were in the green room at the time. And when I came off... I was just met by this great big, uh, when I finished, I was met by this wave of sound and laughter and clapping and everything <laughs> other like that. Went upstairs and Matthew gave me the biggest hug ever and said, oh, that was superb grandma. And then we came home and I said to him, but I can't remember where I've parked the car. I can't remember how we drive ourselves home. <laughs> <laughs> I was still in a state of shock afterwards. So I went a second time to see if I could actually enjoy myself a little bit more and then Matthew and I started working on some stuff to perhaps do together bless you thank you but did you sneeze into your hand or your elbow my oh that's all right then oh, you could have put us all at risk you realize don't you no, I do even, yes. even if we are socially distancing <laughs> anyway so Matthew was working on some other stuff and wasn't it wasn't interested in the stuff that I did. So once again, I thought, bugger the little kid. And that was my second uh, set that I did, which is like where I met you, the other Matthew. So once right. again, thanks thanks to Matthew, 
as to why I had a gig going or set going. Excellent. And are you planning to do more after the lockdown? Uh, yes. If Yes, I am. Um, I guess the kind of my humour is different because I'm older. The humour that I grew up with is the humour of Dave type of person like Dave Allen. Oh, beautiful. Do you remember him? Classic. I certainly do. He's beautiful. Yeah. He's Dave yeah. Allen. You really have to think twice to see whether it has humour. It doesn't stand up and hit you in the face. But as you reflect on what he said, is good. And he takes ordinary incidences and turns and Makes you see the funny side of them. Yeah, he was super talented, that guy was. Yeah. Some breaking news. And one thing none of us ever knew, was it gin that he, and vodka that he had in his glass that he always dipped into, or was it just water? Yes, no, that's true, actually. I always remember he always took a glass of something with him, sat in his chair. Yeah. It was just drinking, like, non-alcoholic beer the whole time. Mate, he's a staunch Catholic. All Catholics drink a shed load of alcohol. Oh, I'm sure he would afterwards. I just if you watch if you watch him, I'm convinced he's sober. I've only I've only got into stand up relatively recently and in terms of performance, but I've watched so many YouTube videos of people that you know I admire and I've watched YouTube videos of him and I've really oh. looked, studied them and um I'm convinced I might be wrong, but I'm convinced he's sober. Not like um, Dylan Moran when he used to come out of a massive glass of wine. <laughs> he was genuinely drinking that. Matt, see, just just before the lockdown, um, you were doing OK Boomer. Yeah, we ran a little uh, cheeky show, three of us, me, Corin and Oliver. Uh, we're having a great time, uh, like, just capitalising on that meme word, to be honest. We had, like, Chloe Swarbrick joining in. Uh, if you don't know, the young uh, green MP or something. I don't know what she was. Yeah, that's her, yeah. Yeah, She's yeah. A really cool person. Uh, I really enjoy her. Uh, so she did that. So that just inspired us to make a show. It's all like comedy, let's be honest. I'm probably one of the youngest comics on the scene, uh, question mark. Uh, at least I was for a long time until I got older. And um, it was just... How uh, old are you now, Matt? I'm now 19 at the time of this recording. Wow, you look Whereas, a lot older. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to work on a new joke where it's like, um, so my name's Matt, I'm 19. Uh, I just have, um, like, mentally 19. I just have the face of a 25-year-old man. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I haven't figured out. Um, yeah, no, okay, Boomer. We just had three of us who we we would never have met. I would, like, never would have been friends with a millennial or a Gen X through com comedy. And, um, yeah, we got together. I was like, let's do the show and just talk about our differences and shit. How did you three come together? Was it just by chance or? Um, so me and Corin, we uh, did my first ever gig. Corin was there and he's like, oh, my God. Uh, it's, it's this weird feeling like whenever someone new at the classic or performs comedy for the first time, they're always super, super well. And you're kind of like, well, I've worked so hard for this. Why the hell are they so good? And uh, I didn't know what he was talking about because I thought, okay, I was just semi-good. And now I'm starting to watch new people come through the classic like you guys. I'm like, oh, lucky you guys. Like, this is like your first second gig and you guys are already so much better than I am in like my first year. Wow. And how did you... Very nice of you to say so. Yes, we do appreciate that. Thank you. What did you prefer? Did you prefer working as a group or do you prefer going out and standing up, uh, doing stand-up alone? Uh, to be honest, working as a group definitely has a lot more stresses because uh, you have to get three people organized to practice and like try and 
link it all together however if you do it solo it's a lot more nerve-wracking because if you do absolutely shit that's your whole show and there's no coming back from that whereas if i was doing a terrible six minutes and then someone else comes in and does a really good six minutes hopefully they forget that i did really bad so unless you're all really really good uh i recommend doing group shows where you can sort of hide under the radar um, and was your plan to do a show at festival with that or or was that just a fringe um show uh so we're trying it out as a fringe show and uh we're trying to bring it to the comedy fest 2021 if it's still around uh, <laughs> which is a scary thought to have but yeah i think we definitely could bring it again because we'll just by that time would have so much more growth and new ideas to bounce off of hey it just occurred to me hang on a minute you're not a millennial you're younger than a millennial and to yeah, me millennials gen- are the youngest of the adult generations so what is your generation gen z mm. kind of like a really shit pokemon <laughs> yeah or rapper <laughs> little gen z <laughs> we're kind of getting to that that period of life now where there's either a letter for your generation or your sexuality for every letter of the alphabet you could be lgbtqi a generation z (laughs) (laughs) so what if uh what have you both been doing during the lockdown uh sweet fa (laughs) (laughs) have you found it easy to put material together or have you been struggling for inspiration uh well i'm don't really get out anyway except for like comedy so this is not uh, a big deal but what I do like to think is what I could be doing like I like to have dreams where I go out to town and have fun (laughs) other normal human stuff and um, I've just been thinking a lot of what I could be doing and I find when you have a limitation on creativity it's somehow easier to be creative if that makes sense like I was like you can fill a room with anything but liquids then you can think of a lot more and be a lot more creative around it so i guess a uh, lockdown's kind of been a blessing and a curse and yet for me it's been the opposite math because i look back on my life experiences and it's out of those that i will draw the uh, draw the comedy and you haven't lived as long as me so you don't have those life experiences i thought you were just going to say you haven't lived i was like oh thanks i'm getting roasted by grandma <laughs> Well, that's because you haven't tried to fill a room with liquid. True. <laughs> that's what I've been missing out. No, but I have tried to fill a room with balloons, though. That's, that's an interesting topic. An interesting what, so, all right, tell us, why did you fill a room with balloons? We need to know. <laughs> because uh, I was working in the marketing department of telecom at the time, and it was my boss's birthday. So we, fit, we tried to fill his room with balloons to, uh, so he couldn't get into his office for the day. How impractical is that? Like, <laughs> celebrate your boss. So you're like, yeah, we're just going to make it impossible for you to do work. Oh, cleaning up. Because you're going to have to break each balloon individually at this point. And then pick yeah, up yeah. balloon bit. I, I also built a bridge in, um, out of cardboard boxes one time that we had to negotiate for a day. I thought you were going to say I built a bridge out of balloons. <laughs> I know, I was just literally... Boxes. I know you can build a balloon arch for weddings, but a balloon bridge would be... This is out of boxes. I thought when she said that she'd built a bridge, it was for him to get over it. But <laughs> uh, We got some uh, breaking news, just to break this <laughs> thing up. Uh, Trump, under Trump's guidance, uh, more Americans have lost their lives. So during COVID-19, more Americans have lost their lives 
compared to like however long the Vietnam War went on for. Wow, that was 10 years, 1965 to 1975. Oh, my God, that's way too long. But the problem with Trump, anything like that is a badge of honour. They'd be like, you know, I have more people to die in this country than anyone else. (laughs) Think about how many... He hasn't had him die, he's been sarcastic. (laughs) (laughs) It's like at least, say, half of them were employed. That's at least 500,000 new jobs that Trump has bought in. Oh, that's a way of looking at it. Yes. Dealing with the unemployment problem. He's the new reborn Charles Darwin. He'll be uh, he'll be the new Darwin, survival of the species or whatever. Maybe. And he'll Darwin himself. Oh God, I hope so. <laughs> so for you guys and and you as well, Matt 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 D, um, when you have complete freedom at either level two or level one, what's the first thing you're going to do, or the first place you're going to go? Hairdresser. I'm a woman. <laughs> I'm going to go to the hairdresser, but not because of my gender, but because <laughs> I want to attract some opposite gender. That's why I'm going to get a haircut and a trim. Yeah, actually, that is my first choice as well. <laughs> you got nothing left to cut, mate. <laughs> no, no, right, right now, you look like the top of... You know when you get like those pencils with an eraser on top? <laughs> and like when you erase like some <laughs> pencil and like the graphite goes onto the eraser onto the rubber that's exactly what your haircut looks like. no but this is i know this is going to be quality audio here but um my partner did this and she did a wonderful job just in case she listens but um not it's a little bit tufty in places um so i think that does have to be dealt with um before i can go out in polite company anyway i mean working from home it doesn't matter i gotta be honest i've been extremely tempted to pull the clippers out on my own here because I'm just getting so frustrated with it now. Well, the thing is, if I shave, like, I'm going to shave my beard, I'm going to shave my head. If I do that, I'm just going to look like a bald egg. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll wait till my 60s for that at least. What do you think comedy is going to look like post-COVID? Well, that's a, that's a real scary question. Um, hopefully all our bars and classics especially can stay open because otherwise it's going to be the we'll almost have to start from scratch because a lot of the bars that we do uh, venues and gigs at uh, they're very low profit margin and they're doing it out of like the kindness of their heart but COVID's hit everyone pretty tough and also I'm worried people after COVID won't want to go of course they'll want to go out and feel good also I'm worried there's going to be a lot of like fear to keeping people locked in home. Cheryl any thoughts on that? Um I think that some of the humour will be quite acid. That'll be about, you know, a lot of people will use COVID as an excuse and the jokes will run along COVID because it's been part of our lives, it seems, for so long. But like Matt, I agree, people will be scared to go out. My generation, which is not, of course, your normal audience, definitely are scared to go out. We're the ones who are at risk. No, I think you're absolutely right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change the face of the comedy scene and... I think it's really important that we protect those, um, do what we can anyway to help those venues that have been very supportive and and good places to perform. And, you know, I think about places like Red Bar, which, Mm. you know, I've never, I've I've been there on sort of Friday, Saturday night, late at night, and I've never seen it that busy. But it's actually a great, I mean, it may not be the easiest comedy gig, but it's a great venue. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. For other other stuff. (laughs) They give a good good drinks <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 they you know they do deserve to survive so <clears throat> i hope they can and i hope people do go back out 
But the yeah. other worrying thing is you go to any, even at the classic, a third of the audience on an average night, they'll be over from overseas. Yes. And um, we don't know when they're going to be coming back. So I also think there's going to be a need to mobilise people who live here to actually go out more and go to things. And look, I um, whilst over the lockdown, I've been someone that has been doing virtual stand-up comedy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know that's a that's an oxymoron in itself. <laughs> it's virtually funny. Virtually, yeah. Well, not. I'm not even funny virtually. It's it's just. So I could never want to see, and I did it for my own reason, right? But I would never want to see a virtual comedy scene. Um, so you know, I mean, I've done it, and for the first three times I did it, it was horrendous because no feedback, no yeah. kind of audience, no nothing. And in the end, on about halfway through the third one, my brain just clicked and went, do you know what? Just go through the motion and pretend there's an audience there. And that's how I got through the next two or three after that was literally by, you know, because when you do 20 to 25 minutes with no audience, that's a, that's a pretty tough slog. When the, oh, only person who's, uh, the only person who's there to laugh is your wife who's filming it and your 14-year-old daughter <laughs> to, to <laughs> talk crowd. <laughs> And like Matthew's father, they'd heard the jokes before. But no, I would hate to see a virtual comedy scene. That would be, yeah, that would kind of kill comedy. Mm, mm. Definitely. I mean, there's no, like, the people who are trying to run them, they're trying to, like, keep comedy alive and well during this time. But uh, when there's so much more, like, at least when you go to live comedy, you're kind of there and, like, people have made the effort, so they're going to be very attentive. But, like, right now, I could be watching, like, seven things, playing PlayStation and all that. So it's, like, you it's are to get people I am right now, actually, uh, just practicing for when I'm allowed back into high school. No, <laughs> I don't know I said that. Yeah, there's too many distractions, like, at least when you're in the classic or a comedy gig, you have lights, mic, but uh, as soon as you put the people watching on their phones, I know if some tags mean something, no matter what I'm doing, I like open up my phone, take a look at that. Uh, yeah, and there's nothing against the performers or anything, but it's just kind of like impossible to do it. Yeah, it's difficult. Some people, I think, can do it and get away with it, but yeah, but there's a vibe that you get from the live audience. Yes. Yeah. The chatter. The buzz. The, um, yeah, the real buzz. I think there's also an un unpredictability about it as well. Because that's the only night that audience is ever going to be together, right? So whatever happens that night is a moment that never gets repeated. That yeah. is a very good thing that I've never thought about till now. That is a good point, yeah. You know, there's an unpredictability about that awesome. people that night. Um, and you never know, right? That the heckle or the funny comment probably never happens again, you know, so Yeah. When when I did the for the raw comedy, this that was my um where I met the other Matthew, uh, ironic because I talk about death in mm. my set, and there was a somebody at the at the beginning was a funeral director. He said oh, that that's was right. Awesome. I remember that. Yeah, and <laughs> that was enough. just so perfect because my gig says Joe, that getting old is a bugger, but dying doesn't have it very much going for it either. And then I was able to say, I'm just for a funeral director, which of course brought the house down. By having a live audience, you can pick up on just little odd comments that are made and things like that. And you can uh, work that into your set and it makes it more spontaneous. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think that's it. It's the odd, even, even for those of us that are maybe newer on the scene and don't, um, you know, aren't quite 
that experience with audience interaction the audience interaction is still really really crucial and actually does give you some of your material yes when i opened for you that time matt Mm. um you said in the end that i went for 10 minutes and i was only supposed to do five because i was talking with the audience and so people came in late and so i was making um taking the mickey out of the people that came in late then there was somebody else because the whole thing was on boomers and that whole audience i think i was the only genuine boomer that was there (laughs) um and so i was able to you know build on that and the fact that i was there by myself and there was nobody else my age group yeah you don't expect to walk into a comedy gig and have a woman in her 70s tell you off for being late (laughs) (laughs) no not usually i suppose not i don't know why i did it but it just seemed appropriate at the time and you also pulled from my gig at that raw comedy thing because you said i'm matthew and i've got a beard but i'm not grandma's matthew or some comment like that <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that was, and that was, um, yeah, because I had a bit of a strange moment sat in the audience because I didn't know Matt at the time, and it was only by t- I was like, who's this woman claiming to be my grandma? <laughs> <laughs> my grandma's ninety six and lives in England. <laughs> He's a smidge older than me, yeah. Yeah. The, the last question I've got around the comedy side, and unless anyone else uh, wants to add anything. When comedy clubs open, obviously they're going to want to attract audiences back through the door really quick. Is there a danger that new and up-and-coming comedians miss out on spots as comedy venues try to get people back and fight for audience by putting experienced acts on? I think that's very much what's going to happen. Uh, If you know, the Auckland comedy scene is a great place. But um, yeah, when people, when gigs start coming back, we're going to be finding because Let's be honest, there's probably going to be about like 30 music shows and just everything. Bars trying to get afloat with quiz nights and things. So I reckon for the at least the first couple of months, they will want people doing the A-best material. And I may, I don't want to say leave out newer comics, but they will definitely limit the amount of newer comics that they will put inside their gigs. I'm still showing it out, but they will definitely want to keep the audience on side i think you're right and wrong at the same time because i think you're right they will totally need those name comics to bring people through the doors but i also wonder whether they're gonna want and i am talking about the venues that actually make money through comedy which actually most of them don't uh, and they are literally doing us a favor <laughs> by um letting us have open mic nights at their venues but I think places like the classic, they're going to want volume as well. So yeah. my suspicion is that they'll want, you know, they'll want to be open five nights a week, six nights a week. Because the classic is open six, isn't it? Six a week. Five and and six, he's staggered yeah. it so that it's newies, more experienced, and has um, each night as a, as a different topic, if you like, different style of comedian. That's it. I think you're right. And I think that that's a... That's a deliberate strategy on their part and um i don't think that would necessarily change but but i also imagine that if um they were planning to do that but then some established comics came to them and said hey on lockdown we've managed to generate an hour's worth of new material we want to come and try it out for you they would put them on like a shot and they push other things out of the way then yeah my suspicion is that it's actually not going to be a struggle i also suspect there'll be some of our fellow newer comics um i'm talking about me darren and, and you cheryl not matt um will actually drop out during this period as well because they will have not made to manage to write any new material i think for some people you you when you don't do something for a while it kind of gets a bit scary to go back and do it so my suspicion is there'll be a little drop off and they'll actually 
the net result will be that there'll be no change for for us and we'll still i'm still in a newbie state though well so am i so and so is darren really although he's been doing it on and off for a few years so well, um, if you had big gaps darren how did you get back really i i did a, a raw monday i, I don't you know everybody that thinks they're a comedian right and then someone mm. tells you you're funny so you go oh that makes me a stand-up comedian around five years ago i did a monday night raw in the classic and i managed to drag about 30 odd people from work here so it was pretty you know it was a real good atmosphere and and i did it and i thought yeah i want to do that again and never did it and then i and, and then i moved to australia for four years and I only did one there. It was an open mic night on a cruise ship, actually. And I did that, and I went, oh, yeah, now I'm definitely going to go into it, and then never did. And then I moved back to New Zealand and kind of kept still jotting material and stuff like that. I always wrote a little bit of stuff. And then the comedy school thing came up, and my wife said, you need to do this because, like, you know, you're 48. It's kind of now or never. If you don't really give it a crack now, you're not really ever going to give it a crack. I know that's a bit odd saying that to you, Cheryl, when you started at 73 or whatever you said you started at. But, um, you know, and I kind of went, yeah, I've kind of got to give it everything now. Otherwise, I may never, ever do this and keep saying that I was going to do it. So now it's just about keeping myself going. You know, um, I deeply regret um, not continuing on from five years ago. But at the same time, what I learned at the comedy school probably saved me two of those four years that I did nothing in. Do you think that will the comedy school be um, happen, a happening thing again? Absolutely. So um, I know Neil Thornton is still, you know, whilst the, the shutdown's on, he's trying to organise little webinars where, like, he's had, uh, you know, he's had some uh, tomorrow night, I think he's got, uh, which is Thursday. Jeremy Elwood tomorrow he's night. He's got Jeremy Elwood tomorrow mm. night doing a Q&A with people. Yeah, and he's had um, a, a few different things about how to run a gig, how to do an hour show with Gary Sansom and Brendan Green. And there's been a few people like that that he's had on just to try and keep some sort of comedy community going. You know, when you talk to him, he goes, the one thing I miss more than anything is just shooting the shit in a green room with a bunch of comics. That camaraderie, that fun, you know, that you have um, before a gig, during a gig, after a gig. Um, he said that's the part he misses the most. So just by keeping people together, and um, keeping people in comedy is really the aim of what he's doing. I, I could not recommend that comedy school high enough. It, it really gave me a completely different motivation after I did that. Hmm. Yep. In fact, that's how we met was at comedy school. And um, it was excellent. And I would strongly recommend it even to experienced comics, potentially, who just want to have get some critique from in a small group and try out new stuff even. Up, Grandma uh, Matthew, you can give your grandmother a comedy school voucher. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah, I'd just like to plug my Instagram. <laughs> uh, Real Matt Coon, yeah, find me on Instagram. Uh, hit me up from there. Tell me uh, you heard of me through Podcrastinators. Uh, I've got to say, one of the world's best New Zealand run by Darren and Matthew <laughs> podcasts I've had in a long time. Oh. In fact, I would say it is the best podcast in New Zealand. I only know this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to ask actually. Um... <laughs> I was just about to add you on Instagram then, but I thought, fuck you now, you've said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not linking to you in the show notes anymore. Cheryl, can we link to your Snapchat in the sh- sh- show notes? What link to the hell is Snapchat? <laughs> you know that I'm a technical virgin. <laughs> you can link to a Tinder account. <laughs> 
yeah, what's, I'll your, talk about Tinder. what's your bio on Tinder again, Grandma? Do I have one? Oh, yeah, it's a little thing. I believe it's uh, you, you and your sister sort of book me up on all these things. <laughs> <laughs> if, um, if you can get us the link to her Tinder profile, Matt, we'll put that in the show notes. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, vet it first. Thank you, Matthew. The only thing I can think of if I, for a Tinder um, bio is that I want somebody who looks good in gumboots. <laughs> well, you're in the right country for that. Yeah, definitely. You wouldn't see that in, like, uh, any other country, really. Check shirts and gumboots. Mm. Yep, yep. And if they've got a gold card, then they're too old for me. <laughs> Did you have a tour that was cancelled, Matt? Oh, uh, yeah. So I was going to go down to Christchurch and... Uh, do a lot of just a uni pub like crawl uh through all of the lower north island i was gonna um plan to go to little andromeda it's just a nice little theater down in christchurch and then my best mate lives down in dunners and uh he lined up he was almost like my producer at this point he's just lined up all these like university gigs for me which was quite cool but yeah sad to miss out and while i was down there i was planning to go up to visit some of the smaller towns and just uh, do it but uh fortunately as i was about to finally initiate everything pay for advertising uh corona came in so it's kind of a blessing because if i had done it and lost all that money on advertising would have been pretty bummed is there a totally. chance you might do that afterwards i'm gonna have to wait a bit now because obviously as the economy is recovering people don't necessarily have uh, money to spend on the luxury such as going to a comedy show um so i might just wait for a bit fine-tune my craft get a get a solid hour <laughs> going not that i didn't have a solid hour but just like i'll even improve my hour to you when you do your first tour you really want it to be like straight good because it's kind of your make or break tour yes is that what you are a luxury item because it's how, <laughs> I mean, that's how we're it's bloody paid. expensive i can tell you <laughs> that matt coombe luxury item Oh, I definitely am. Just ask anyone on Queen Street. <laughs> <laughs> Macum Essential Service Luxury. <laughs> I would like to ask Matt C um, how he's found his push-up challenge. Oh, man, that push-up challenge is getting so tough. Like, um, I've let myself go during the coronavirus time. Uh, I swear I'm actually just cursed to be, like, fat for my whole life. Uh, but before corona, I did, like, five days at the gym for, like, a solid month and a half. And I was feeling really good about my body. And wow. then as soon as you're not allowed to leave, you're just like, yeah, I could have this piece of chocolate. I'm bloody in it. Yeah, I stepped up to the fridge today. That, it's like triple my calories, the bench. Uh, yeah, um, no. Nah. So I thought when I first got challenged by my uncle, I was like, easy 25 push-ups, I could smash that out. And now I'm like day three, no, day six at this point. I'm like, I don't know. I'm on one of the days and my arms are hurting. And uh, it's a great cause though uh, for mental uh, health awareness and uh, I'll suffer through it so other people don't have to suffer in silence. No, well done. Have you been doing um, the push-up challenge, Cheryl? Good Lord, no. Not when you're my size, my weight, and my age. Sensibility sort of is our middle name for boomers. What would you like to recommend to our listeners then? I've been eating a hell of a lot of figs. I'm real glad that I bought toilet paper. <laughs> we keep coming up with theories for why there's been a, a shortage, and okay, that's the... We'll finally figure out where all the figs have gone to. That's right, and where all the toilet paper is. <laughs> I had seen that on the news. People panic buying figs. Matt G, what have you been doing? 
people have heard the TV series Killing Eve on Netflix. Oh, is it on Netflix? No, it's on oh, TVNZ. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like three episodes a night kind of a thing about a um an amazing Russian assassin who's brilliant at accents and goes around doing impossible murders of people and the people who are tracking her. And it's kind of like a thriller, but with a comedy element. What about you? Yeah, I'm still hanging in on the albums. I think the one thing for me with the top albums, you know, re-listen to some old stuff that really kind of inspired me, you know, and uh, I'd really encourage people to do that. I was impressed by your pick of um, Split End. Oh, thank you. And uh, interesting to see a Kiwi band being mentioned from way back, well before you moved here. I don't know, Matt. See what would be yours. Uh, if you guys have heard of, it's like The Dudes, but it's TH yes. Dudes. Yeah, they got a song called Bliss. And holy shit, that, that song's real good. I only discovered it recently. I searched it up on like Shazam. I was like, holy heck, these guys are from NZ. Uh, and then <laughs> that's the only song of them I like. But it's a banger, straight banger. Dave Dobbin and Sam um, Sam Hunt. That was what went round the, round the, um, uh, the provincial areas. They took music and poetry around with them. And then we had the top twins. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. You've been awesome guests. Thanks for us. Thanks. I think this has helped uh, make you. our second episode um, one that people will enjoy. I'm hoping I get you a date out of that description. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm so which, which one of us? Both. <laughs> Both, definitely. Um, but we are going to share your Tinder profile in the show notes, um, Cheryl. And... Um, <laughs> Matt will share your uh, dating profile in our show notes if you want as well. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice one. Thank you very much. We'll make yeah, sure you know when it's published so you can share it with your friends. Thank you. And how come you come up on my iPad as sparkly glitter pony? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I am joined by one in the background. Um, <laughs> Which you may not be able to see, but... Yeah, I did partially see it here. Um, and uh, I didn't want to get confused with Matt too easily. Um, but obviously that didn't really help. Oh, yeah, I mean, I changed my name so you wouldn't uh, be confused to subscribe to my OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell who the dirty people are by whoever laughs at that joke. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it was actually... What's that? You were being hopeful, darling. I don't think you quite know what OnlyFans is. I'll link it to you after the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll see. You. To allow that to happen, I will um, end this recording and everything. So, um, thank thanks. you.